Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, we are entering into another segment of our first comic series. My friend, Lauren Vera, had never read a single comic book and was intimidated by the entire medium. So when I approached her to be on the podcast, I gave her some options, and she decided she wanted to read Mark Wade and Chris Somney's espionage spy thriller Black Widow. This is one of my favorite teams working in comics. This is my favorite comic book writer, favorite colorist, and Chris Somney's art is absolutely wonderful. I haven't read very many Black Widow stories, and I think that the strength of someone like Mark Wade is that he distills characters down to their cores. That's why I thought that someone like Lauren, who isn't super familiar with this medium, would like a story like this. The medium was able to speak for itself, and through this story, she was able to get a great representation of the medium and its ability to convey character. As always, make sure to go follow Cameron Reads Comics on Instagram, and remember, there are full spoilers ahead for Black Widow by Chris Somney and Mark Wade. You have been warned. All right, so here is the summary for Black Widow. The story starts, and the volume is cranked up to 11. Black Widow's running through the shield helicarrier with sirens and alarms blaring. The reason? Black Widow is to be stopped at any cost. In an amazing chase scene, Natasha Romanov jumps out of the helicarrier without a parachute. With shield officers chasing after her with jetpacks and flying cars, she's able to steal someone's jetpack in mid-air and land safely. She hops on a pedestrian's motorcycle and continues the chase through the streets of New York. After disabling all of her pursuers, Natasha ends the chase with one final shield agent with a no-holds-barred street fight. Before knocking out her opponent, he says to her, Whatever you pinched from us, I hope it was worth it. And after Natasha disables him, she responds, Me too. Last week, at a funeral for a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, Natasha looks out for Agent Elder of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Maria Hill. There's a hit out for Hill, and Black Widow isn't going to let that go through. She stealthily takes out all of the operatives from assassinating Hill, but at the end of the battle, it is revealed that Maria Hill was never the target. Natasha was. Natasha gets knocked out and wakes up in a warehouse tied to a chair. During an interrogation attempt, she breaks out of her chair and takes out all of the guards. She's greeted by a man known as the Weeping Lion. While she doesn't believe he has any power over her, the lion drops some files on the ground for Natasha to look at. To her surprise, he has found some shocking evidence about her past that she had dug deep. In order to protect the secrets of her past, she needs to break into S.H.I.E.L.D. and steal something for the lion. Natasha, backed into a corner, agrees to the deal. After the beginning of our story shows Natasha breaking into S.H.I.E.L.D. and evading their capture, Natasha goes undercover in New York. She receives word from the Weeping Lion that she now is to go to the catacombs of her old Russian training ground, the Red Room. As she breaks into the Russian facility, she reminisces on her experience at the school as a young girl that was being trained to become a weapon. There was a younger girl at the school named Anya that constantly sought Natasha's approval. Soon, in the present day, Natasha realizes that she's not alone in the facility. With the precision and grace of a ballet recital, Natasha disarms all of her foes. As she peers down the stairs that lead it into the catacombs, Black Widow reminisces on her first trip down there as a child. She receives stitches from the headmistress of the school after a sloppily completed mission. While she comes through new files, a figure who sneaks up behind her is revealed to be a little girl. This little girl stabs Natasha between her ribs, leaving her to bleed out and die. Fading in and out of consciousness, Natasha is rescued from her awaiting death by a new shadowy figure. In her unconsciousness, she reminisces again about her time in the Red Room. She remembers Anya. She remembers Anya's longing for approval and Natasha not giving it. Widow refers to Anya as Mother's Little Recluse. As Natasha wakes up from her injury, she recognizes the figure who rescued her as Iosif, an old friend who helped raise Natasha as she was growing up. She asks him about the girl who gutted her. Iosif lets her know that the girl is the first known recruit of the new Dark Room. Natasha knows it's her duty to stop this new school of brainwashing children to be killers. Yosef equips her and leads her to the facility where the children are. Natasha covertly takes out all of the guards as she breaks into the facility. 
In the main corridor of the headquarters, she finds her old headmistress. But this time, headmistress has a new favorite pupil, Anya. And Anya doesn't go by Anya anymore. Her new title is Recluse. Instead of going into a super crazy ninja fight, Anya and the headmistress just hand Natasha the files that she came to Russia looking for. She calls the Weeping Lion, readying the files for transfer. She ends up at a cafe in Paris, but this time she's not alone. I mean, is she ever alone? A man who she presumes is Dimitri, the contact, comes up to her. Without dialogue, Natasha realizes that the man she assumed was Dimitri was actually an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. In what is perceived to be Natasha evading her collector, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent gets shot by her pursuers. A firefight breaks out. They're being sniped at. Knowing he was S.H.I.E.L.D., Natasha tried to get him out of trouble, but it didn't work. The two heroes steal a car and chase through a garage. The S.H.I.E.L.D. agent gets captured, and in one last heroic moment, he pulls the pin out of a grenade he was holding, sacrificing himself, but also getting rid of their pursuers. Natasha uses this window to escape. Because of this deception, the Weeping Lion releases the information that he had on Natasha. The information revealed details with Natasha's life that happened before she became a superhero. The biggest bombshell revealed is that Black Widow was a key player in the abduction of Ho Yinsen, the man that Tony Stark Iron Man was locked in prison with. Yinsen gave his life so that Tony could live, and as Tony finds out this information, suffice to say, he isn't pleased. He finds Natasha's locations, and he offers to pick her up and find out her side of the events that have occurred. He takes her to the local Stark office, and to his dismay, he finds out that the events were true. As he unlocks a room in the tower, Natasha knocks Tony out. She goes through Stark International's files and uses a serial number to find the Weeping Lion's hideout. Natasha had memorized the serial number off of some Stark shipping crates while they had held her captive earlier. As she fights this massive brute of a man, someone from the rafters tells her to stop. The man she was fighting wasn't who she thought it was, the Weeping Lion. He was actually just the muscle. The brother of the true Weeping Lion, a telepath named Elijah Nezevic. Elijah is the one who stopped the fight. As Elijah threatens Widow, she reveals that the address isn't the only thing she stole from Stark. She grabbed an earpiece that prevents mind control and a sonic blaster on her hand. She blasts Elijah through the window for trying to control her. And then she tells him the new terms. He is going to work for her now. Elijah's first encounter with Widow actually happened years ago when she was part of the Red Room. She broke into his father's car and killed him and the person in the passenger seat. She sloppily didn't check the back seat where Elijah was sleeping. She murdered his father. It is alluded to that she also attempted to slit Elijah's brother's throat, which is what gave him his noticeable neck scar. Elijah and Natasha break into a secret base in Greenland where Recluse and the headmistress are. When they all meet up, Elijah attempts to read the headmistress's mind, but she ends up killing herself, preventing her mind from being read. Elijah only gets scraps of what headmistress's plans were, what is revealed when he reads Recluse's mind is that Headmistress was lying to Recluse the entire time. She actually knows nothing about her plan. She, th she only thinks she knows, but she doesn't know anything. In the final blow, Recluse is afraid of Natasha. Recluse says that's a lie, but everyone in the room knows that it's the truth. Recluse vows vengeance on Natasha, but Natasha says that Anya wasted her entire life trying to find her. Natasha tells Anya that she's too weak. It's never going to happen. Recluse is a footnote in Natasha's story, and that's all she's ever going to be. The next issue picks up with St. Joseph Academy's field trip to the White House. Natasha, in blonde wig attire, is the tour guide. She's placed there to find an agent from the new dark room. They have been hired to assassinate the vice president of the United States, when she finds out who it is, there's a super crazy fight sequence and S.H.I.E.L.D. comes on the scene to try and stop the assassination. Eventually, Natasha finds Yosef back at his cabin, but he's been critically injured. He's been shot and he's going to die. Yosef dies in Natasha's arms and what awaits her in the cabin is recluse with a tied up Bucky Barnes. 
It's revealed that Bucky has been playing Natasha's guardian angel and helping her survive her missions. Natasha hits a secret compartment, which gives her the opportunity to free Bucky. Then Bucky and Natasha fight recluse and Anya flees into the forest. Barnes tells Natasha that Nick Fury would like to have a word with her. At this point in time, Nick Fury has become a character known as the Unseen, a Watcher-esque godlike being who remains unseen but sees all. If you want more clarity into this, go read Original Sin by Jason Aaron. Nick Fury, the Unseen, currently resides on the moon, so Natasha, Elijah, and Bucky all head on a rocket ship to the moon. With everything going on, Elijah has been behind the scenes running the new Red Room and trying to take out Natasha for killing his father. The Unseen tries to walk away from this three-person group, but Elijah decides he won't let him. Elijah tries to read Fury's mind, and while he gets flooded with ultimate knowledge, his head eventually explodes. While the Unseen didn't utter any words, aptly, Bucky says, I think he said whatever he wanted to say. As they come back from the moon, Natasha thanks Bucky for watching over her, but she needs to finish this alone. Meanwhile, Recluse breaks into the Weeping Lion's hideout and kills Elijah's brother in order to rescue her students. The new students get sent on a mission to Antarctica to a nuclear power facility. Their goal is to take out all of the guards in order to retrieve their keys to trigger a reaction. Natasha arrives on the scene to prevent it. The girls are excited to fight the Red Room's champion, but Natasha doesn't engage. She just tries to stop them, only to end up in the reactor room with the girls putting the keys in the reactor with Recluse, who now goes by the title Headmistress. Given an impossible task, Headmistress tells Natasha that she needs to kill one of the girls in order to stop the reaction. They are to turn the six reactor keys at the same time in order to cause the reaction. Only one of the keys is a fake, but nobody knows which one. The girls are to ignite the reaction when the clock strikes 12. The new headmistress sets Natasha's wrist stingers to lethal. She has her point them at the girls. Brilliantly, Natasha doesn't fire on the girls. She fires on the clock. It can't strike 12 when it has, like, Black Widow stingers in it. Natasha escapes Anya's grip and turns on the emergency flood. Natasha tries to convince the girls that Anya doesn't care about them. She was just willing to sacrifice one of their lives. Anya tries to stop Natasha's brainwashing of her girls. Anya tries to kill Natasha, but falls off a crazy ledge into a rushing floodwater below her. The students save Natasha only to find their headmistress standing before them. The girls have chosen to side with Natasha because she tried to empower them while Anya had tried to exploit them. Natasha makes the point that she learned less from the original headmistress than Anya did, which is what makes her the better assassin overall. As they come out of the nuclear facility, S.H.I.E.L.D. is waiting for them. Maria Hill tells Nat that S.H.I.E.L.D. understands that she was backed into a corner. As much as Natasha wants to be a lone ranger, she doesn't have to be. Maybe it's time for her to come out of the cold. Natasha agrees. So we can just get into it. Um, hello, Lauren. Hey, Cam. What's oh, up? What is up? Hey, everyone. This is um, my friend, Lauren Vera. Also, first ex-girlfriend I've had on the podcast. So, <laughs> From seventh grade, we'll never let it go. No, uh, I'm actually <laughs> here to break up with her in front of all of the internet. Oh my so. God. <laughs> we don't even want to get into the truth of what happened in seventh grade we are not going to get into the truth all right uh <laughs> there's no truth i anyways we're not getting you're right i'm like okay we're starting now no, just kidding you're just gonna get heated uh okay so lauren um we read this week black widow by mark wade and chris somney um also colors by matt wilson 
three of my favorite comic book creators ever. Um, was this your first comic you've ever read? First comic I've ever read. Like you didn't even read like, like Archie or anything growing up? Or? Um, I have a book from you actually that I should probably return that you gave to me in high school. Really? Don't even remember what it's called. And I would want to say that that is my first graphic novel, but other than that, never read a comic. Oh my gosh. I want you to let me know and then I want you to read it <laughs> and we can record again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have it in my uh, bookshelf. So yes, technically this is the first dedicated reading to a comic book. Um, and then, so what has your relationship, well, what has your relationship been with fandom or like pop culture, geek culture, not even necessarily like comic books, but like a fandom? Have you had something like that? Uh, would that be similar to like reading like Hunger Games? Let's yeah. say, okay. Like, um, for Hannah, it was like Handmaid's Tale mm. or it's been like, like, are you a huge Game of Thrones fan? Like... Not a huge Game of Thrones fan, just because I haven't watched it before, but I was super into Hunger Games, like, really into Hunger Games, which is, I guess it is uh, embarrassing, maybe, but I was, I loved those books when I was in high school, and I felt like they came at a specific time, and they were trendy, and there was a fandom. I think maybe that's the closest I've ever gotten. Are you Team Gale or Team PETA? Team PETA. Okay. I think I am, I'm that, too. Did you finish them? You I know, feel like I told you to read them. You probably did. I know I read the first two really quick, and then I wanted to read the third, and I just never got around to it. And then I remember seeing the uh, the fourth movie, which is like book three, part two. And yes. And you were like, yeah, the third book wasn't that good anyways. And I was like, The third, okay. uh, the ending of the whole series is so dumb. <laughs> like, they had one job, and they just did not, did, yeah. But anyway, the first two books, very good. Last book, horrible. And the movies were even worse. I'm like, wow. And actually, Lauren, for the fans, she was a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence. I was. Keyword was. I think she's cool. I think she's a bit much, but yeah. Anyways, fine. Anyways, for all our Hunger Games and Jennifer Lawrence fans, you're fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is the first comic. That's awesome. And then what did you think, like, before you read this or before you didn't read the other one I got to you? Hashtag calling you out. Um <laughs> Before, before, um, what did you think about like the medium of comic books? Did you have an image of what you thought it was and did this change it? Um, I would argue, I guess for myself that I didn't think I would ever be into it because I, I felt like it required a lot of attention and not, I, I, that's not a bad thing. It's just you have visuals and you have words and you have different vocab and you have different formatting of a page that you're not used to. So I felt like it was just too much for me personally to get into. So that's why I actually was quite hesitant to get into comic books in general because I just didn't feel like I had the mental capacity to take it all in. But I would, I would say it's changed now. Yeah, reading it. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah no, because I'm like, I think I, it's always weird to tell people that I'm like, I, I don't wear it on my sleeve that I'm so into comic books. And I think a lot of people wouldn't know until I, until they get me talking about it because mm -hmm. I can rant about it all day long. Yes. Um, <laughs> dang, spoken like a true friend of mine. <laughs> I, I feel like out of anyone, uh, you probably have spoken to me a lot, but yeah, yeah. maybe the most. No. Not the most, but, like, someone who doesn't know about it and then just, like, teaching me for, like, three hours about it. Frankly, my mom years. had a rough quarantine with me. True, <laughs> true, like, true. She'd, like, come wander in my room and I'd just be, like, looking at my comic book wall and I'm just like, la, 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 like, this is so cool. And she like, could probably come on here and school a couple people oh, about different universes for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Oh, that's cool. I'm, like, glad because I really – another mission of the pod is to just – uh, recognize that comics are a medium. They are not a genre. And so like when I was asking you, I like made, I was like, Lauren, you're going to be on the podcast. And she didn't have an option of yes or no. <laughs> and so I said, do you want, I, it was for my listeners that know it was in between Miles Morales and it was in between this. Cause I'm like, I want a female to like talk about a female, like mm -hmm. a perspective that I definitely don't have. And so I was like, do you want to do like cool young Spider-Man hip hop kid? Or do you want to do, um, empowered woman spy noir thriller and you're like empowered woman yeah 
I just felt like it was, it's it's the correct time and it just felt fitting to read this book. And actually like what I think the most one of my favorite parts of this like fandom is that like this is this example of Black Widow specifically too is very um like it, it it's going to be recognized in the movie. Really? Oh yeah, I won't I'll show you the trailer after this, but it's like the first you know the first issue she jumps out of the helicarrier is this the book that was supposed to come out or i'm sorry the movie that was supposed to come out but isn't yep we should have seen the movie like two times over at this point right because it was supposed to come out in may 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 1st yeah oh so they just did not release it well in their defense theaters were closed and so now i think they pushed it back I think, you know, at the time of this recording, Mulan has now... Yeah, true. I think they're going to do the same thing with this, which is, I think, kind of disappointing. Because I, for a character in the MCU that I think has just, frankly, been mistreated, like she has... And then, spoilers for Endgame, the biggest movie ever, um, who has now died. Yeah. I'm like, she should have been carrying her own film a long time ago. Yeah, I was, I was surprised because remember how... I feel like a I don't love Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I didn't know that. That's not a well. It is not not a secret now, but um, I felt like the writing for her character made her not that likable in general. I would argue that. Yeah. Um. So then I was surprised to like her so much in this comic book. So maybe the movie will do a better job of providing justice for her character. Yeah, let's hope. And that's all we want is like I think our 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 fandoms accurately represented on yeah. screen, right? Yeah. Um okay, so let's just go into the text. Uh what did you think about this story? Uh I thought it was a really interesting story. I felt very I felt like it was fitting for Black Widow. It was a very Black Widow-esque story, but I did like the different aspects as far as there were moments where she messed up. And I liked that because, you know, she's known to be so perfect, I feel like. And she's such a strong, you know, fighter and different things like that. But she messed up. And I also really liked the aspects of um, the girl against girl. Uh Like two totally different ways of thinking about their past and how it has shaped them and that coming to a head. And also, like, the different pieces of bringing in the different Marvel Universe. I thought that was cool. And uh, I liked the mind-reading aspect of it. <laughs> Didn't really see that coming. Me neither. Kind of random, almost. Yeah, but, oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I thought that was cool. But there are definitely, and we well, we can get into this later, there are different aspects of the story I don't think I necessarily understood. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to ask you that later. Yeah, so I... I I felt as though it was significant. I just didn't quite understand why. Okay, yeah, actually, um let's next question. Did yeah. you did you find it ex- accessible? As a new reader, like, you know, I I I gave you this point blank. Yes. You never read a Black Widow story, here's a Black Widow story. Right. Um can I give it a percentage? Yeah, sure. Okay. I would say 70%. 70% accessible? Yes. Yeah, because I realized, like, as I'm rereading, because I've only read this once, and it just, like, I love this. T- this is my favorite writer of all of, of all comics. And so I was like, and and this is my first Black Widow story I'd ever read, too. Mm, but obviously okay. I'm familiar with, like, canon and, like, continuity and the, whatever 70 years that Black Widow has been around. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, la, 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 of course, the, the Red Room and, right. and Headmistress and um. I'm sure when I got to the Nick Fury stuff, I was like, oh, man, like, she probably has no idea what's going on. Yeah, I think that's why I had to read it through a second time, because I understood I don't know who Nick Fury is. Okay, yeah, yeah. But uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, you know who Winter Soldier is. He was in the movies and stuff, so I knew of who that person was. I don't remember them being romantic maybe in the movie yeah it's in the comics yeah okay so i was a bit confused by that yeah um yeah that was the only part that i didn't understand at all oh yeah so like okay for some context i guess for my reader or for my listeners and for lauren um i and i'm like i wish they made them more accessible like that well do you think that they could have they could have done panels of a previous period to add context within the comic book well like when you think about comics like being released 
this is released after a major Marvel event called Original Sin, and I could show you the panels from that, but have you seen all the Marvel movies, just for context? Um, are, are we talking, like, Iron Man and... I'm talking, for, for, I guess, the foundation of this, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, The Winter Soldier, and, like, uh, several of the Avengers movies. Yes. Okay, so, there is a character called The Watcher which is a grand cosmic, I guess, narrator for the Marvel Universe. He appears, if if you watched, I think, one of the cutscenes in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he appears in it, and Stan Lee is talking to him mm. when he's dressed as an astronaut. Does that ring any bells? It does ring a bell. I don't quite remember it. But... His name is Uwatu the Watcher, and Nick Fury is Sam Jackson. And, like, that's who that is in the Avengers movies. Sam Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson? Like, oh, yes. Got he's it. He's like, well, yep. that's a stupid... Yes, <laughs> That's a stupid-ass decision. So I don't respect it. That guy, that is Nick Fury. And so oh, okay. what happens in Original Sin is pretty much Nick Fury kills the Watcher, and he gets to be a part of all the secrets of history. And That's kind of cool. It's a, you, Are you not a fan of that? The arc was kind of weird, and I thought it was, like, pigeonholed, and they rushed it. But otherwise, like, Sam... That's that's what they were walking into is post this crazy event book. He is now a watcher and that's they're like, okay, we need intel. Let's go to the guy who's watching right. everything unfold. So the whole point is that he knows where where they're looking for is because he's a watcher. Exactly. And that's why, you know, it makes sense for him to blow up homeboy's head. Right. Because he's about to betray them. Correct. And also, so does he not speak in normal language like uatu the guy who does like the the watcher before him i'm like he does speak normal language so i don't know maybe he's just freaking ominous and i'm like i I don't know that 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 part that part i had to go back to because i didn't understand right so i was like why I, i it almost seemed like he was this god yeah he was figure right uh but then he like leaves this um message and i didn't pick up i'm so dumb i didn't pick up on that the fact that it said friendship which is literally where they're supposed to go but i picked that up the second time oh i didn't think about that so you're fine right so i I was like oh cool he's saying friendship but no it's actually they're going to the ship called friendship (sighs) yes okay well there we go i learned something today (laughs) um okay and then how did you like the art loved it loved it that's awesome i thought it was sick and i was gonna mention that um is this common for comic books to have uh one page where they highlight the art it's like this yeah for oh wait on that okay that's a cover oh so these are all the covers within yeah one page like that that's the cover of the issue oh okay so that is that's the the cover. cover of the issue yeah okay I, I was going to ask you about that because I, I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah, no. um, cause, But there's other moments, too, where it's one big splash page of art, and that's yes. what those are called. Like, so when Bucky says, like, Bucky's on top of the mountain after they, like, fought yes. um, Homegirl, and he's like, he's like, hey, Nick Fury needs to talk to you or something, or you need to talk to Nick Fury. Um, That big splash page of him on the mountain, that is just a splash page. Got it. And that is just common within comic books yeah it's a way to uh kind of like depict dramatic effect that one exactly that's just that that's a page in the issue okay and so um that's a way to depict like a dramatic moment or something of importance or like to surprise readers you know oh and also sorry i just want to not that listeners can see it but the very first page with the ship is so cool well, the, yeah, no, that's like literally taken directly into the movie trailer. Yeah, which I figured it would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, and Chris Somney, I just think he's one of my favorite artists in the genre, of, in, in the medium. Like, that's really... <laughs> um, what do you like particularly about his style? Um, I think I, uh, I talked to you, I sent you some questions before, and I think that different artists fit different needs within their uh, style of storytelling within comics. And so uh, I also just love like a two dimensional kind of color uh, palette. And so I think that his style uses as many lines as are needed and he conveys such a tone. Mm. And if you look at the page layouts in this book, they're ridiculous. And like the ones where she's doing ballet or like 
the ones where she's like literally that entire first issue sequence insanity yes and i think at first i was a bit intimidated because of that because i knew where to follow but i was like wow there's a lot going on especially like you said it's opening into a chase scene essentially yeah. and you're just like i don't know what's happening yeah exactly <laughs> i was gonna ask you, yeah i was like how was that how was that dropping right into a chase scene like the story just starts boom yeah i i was a bit thrown off <laughs> but um I felt like it's – they do that with the movies too. They kind yeah. of throw you into a scene. Um, but I felt like I wasn't lost because I knew that it was going to get explained eventually. Yeah. So I just figured I was along for the ride. There was going to be some action, and then it would eventually be explained. Yeah, and I think that this is also like a big um, – this story is a good example too of how like Mark Wade and Chris Omni, they, they – um, they aren't it, it won't say in there like writest artist writer artist uh they'll say co or like story and they'll just put their names mm. so i think that it this is a really great book that shows their um collaborative like process they're yes. like we are co-storytellers meaning like they they put the story the story together put the story together together and right. so as opposed to like usually mark wade will write a script send it to somni to do the art over like a period of a month and so we're not seeing that happen here you know what I mean? right okay so that's so the process i'm sure it's not the same for every comic book but he writes it explains to the artist this is how i would like it to be depicted yeah the, he'll the submit artist... a script okay got and it. he's like this is like page nine panel one panel two. Oh, this pa yeah. i did not know that okay but like i think i use this term a lot on here but that's mostly because i'm giving people comics to read that i love right and so uh i think that it's just lightning in a bottle for this team because they actually came off a like they were working together by a 30 issue daredevil run and this was their next project, and so I was like, oh my gosh, they're so good. Yeah, so, so you you figured this was going to be a good story. Yeah, I was yeah. like, they had that whole team. I'm like, their name's on it. I'm going to pick it up. So Got it. Um, yeah. Then my next question is, did you have a favorite moment? Mm, did I have a favorite moment? I really liked the moment when her – is it Recluse? Is that her Yeah, sister? I forgot her name. Yeah, Recluse. It's not her sister. It's like this girl. Yeah, the Anya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, name. look at you! Yeah. That, she read it twice, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on it. Okay, so when her and um, is he technically Weeping Lion, the dude who she's with, um, the guy who reads minds. Yeah. Okay, so when her and Weeping Lion and the headmistress and recluse are all in one room, and everything comes to a head, right? Because here are two people who are enemies, essentially. And the headmistress, who she was loyal to, is not anymore. Yeah. And this weeping lion dude who is just along for the ride, and he's kind of trash, but he's essential. They need him. And he, or she, the headmistress actually kills herself? Yep. Yeah, okay. And then when he reads Recluse's mind. Oh, man. Yeah. That's actually a really great moment. And I was like, oh, man, because, you know, Recluse is, A, already in such a horrible moment in her life. But also on top of that, we realize that the headmistress has no, no loyalty essentially to Recluse, even though she's so loyal to the headmistress. Yeah, and like Natasha kind of chimes in on that where she's like, that's why you'll never be accepted by her. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it was such a good and, <laughs> And I liked it too because they backed that moment with, um, oh man, so Weeping Lion is like, oh, do you want me to blow up her mind? And Natasha's like, no, I'm not a monster. And then you like flash back to when she was actually a monster to Weeping Lion. Like, yeah. So many, so many moments in that little did you, bit. Did you like already know that she has like a history of being like a silent assassin? Yes. Okay, cool. Because yeah. the Red Room was like alluded to in Age of Ultron and um, like very briefly. And then, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, she, she'll, she'll chime in on it, too. She says, there's things I'm not proud of that I've done. Blah, blah, blah. Well, they allude to that in the comic book itself, right? Cause yeah. She she did something horrible to, I'm not going to remember. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Ho Yinsen. Yes. Which is cool. I actually, did you like that it was 
like this story with while being a Black Widow solo title, it chimed in with other Marvel characters. Did you like that? I liked it. I felt I didn't love Stark's character in it. It kind of came up a little bit empty, but I, I I get towards the end how he's like, you know, we're friends and we can rely on each other. And also he provides, you know, a place for the girls, whatever, but a bit unnecessary. Yeah. A little bit. Are you just not a Tony Stark fan in general, though? I don't have a problem with it. I just felt like I know that that's his character to be kind of, you know, uh, cocky and whatever the worst the worst yeah but um i just didn't really see how his storyline had anything to do with the story yeah maybe it does would you agree um i think that he gave her a real cool moment to shine Mm. like i really liked the moment where he's like okay i can't believe you hurt my friend or you kind of caused him to end his life by getting him to these terrorists and then He's like, okay, but it's let's go to my apartment or whatever. You can crash there. You can sleep. Right. And then she just freaking like ninjas him. I just loved how how well the spy thing was played off in this story. Yeah, yeah, that was good, especially because I didn't expect that. Where she was like, oh, you know, you love makeup and whatever, <laughs> and she totally just crosses him. But good yeah. For her. Yeah, no, and and that's what like I kind of look for. I I wanted this to be an accurate representation of the character. Like the first time I read this, I was like, just make this the movie. Like that's you can literally just take page for page. Yeah, which and they don't. We don't know yet because we haven't seen the movie. But there's some there's some stuff that has been like blatantly stolen. And actually, if you look at the movie poster, that cover that you showed earlier, I think it's issue ten. Um, of the big black widow symbol and her silhouette in it. That's the cover for the movie. Like, oh, that's the poster. interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, please credit the artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah. Okay. Well now I'm going to go see the movie, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's completely pointless for him to be in it, but, and I agree that that moment was cool, but I just felt like the moments he was in it, I was like, okay. Um, I think my favorite moment was, honestly, I thought the last issue, uh, no, not the last issue, because I thought the last issue was rushed, now that I think about it. Honestly, the first issue, I actually just think the first issue is a flawless representation of, because Black Widow doesn't need to necessarily be a character that, like, uh, she doesn't need to talk a lot. Like, yeah, I think I think that whole skydiving scene where it's like, whoa, you thought you could do this without a parachute? Then she comes up to the dude like turns on his parachute oh, steals yes, his jetpack yes. lands perfectly i'm like oh that was like everything i think of when i think of black widow or like the minimal stuff that i know about her i'm just like that was perfect and yeah it's it's those kinds of representations that i find in mark wade's writing of these characters that i'm like oh i don't know very much about you and then he just nails it out of the park and i'm like wow okay awesome yeah i thought it was a perfect intro for the story like especially too because um she manages to escape and it's, and I think they have like a ballet part of it, right? Like she has a ballet landing and at the very end, you don't know why she's done what she's done, but she, you're, she's saying she hopes it, it's worth it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she just murks all those dudes. Yes. Uh, I'm like, I'm about it. It was good. Um, as a female reading about a female, was there anything that hit you differently as you're reading this? Cause I'm like, is there anything I guess you related to more? And you chimed in a little bit earlier about it, but Hmm. I feel like Black Widow is maybe her her quality isn't unique, but I do like her story as far as, you know, she was built by this really strong woman who was building her to be this top notch assassin. Right. Which is badass. But you also have the complicated story of her tearing down recluse and in theory, she's all about being saving these girls to make sure that they're not brainwashed to become these assassins. And yet she tears down recluse. And so it's a bit, I understand where she's coming from because in a way she's trying to protect recluse. I mean, she saves her, so she doesn't hate recluse by any means, but I think I like that complicated relationship between them. And I'm not saying that there's complicated relationships between women in general, but you do see that. You see people who are trying to support 
other women and things like that. But then when they come up short, they kind of tear them down again. But it's kind of contrary because we're trying to build up women. So hashtag Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. So <laughs> I felt like that was kind of a complicated nature of the story, but I understand why it's complicated. Yeah, no, and I think uh, going back to I think why the last issue was my favorite. What had what I was considering that one of my favorite moments is when she illustrate to the younger like the next gen school of the red room that uh like they don't need to she illustrated to the red room girls that she was that recluse was trying to exploit them right and then she True. says that's the thing about me and you that's different is like I, you were trying to exploit them and i was trying to save them yeah yeah that is a good point and i didn't think about that and i think recluse and black widow haven't had the same moment where black widow understands that she doesn't need to kill these people and be under an agenda. She's her own independent person and recluse is not like that. She hasn't had that moment yet because she's trying to do the same thing that headmistress did to them. Yeah. And like it shows to, I think black widow's strength in her growth as, as, as when you think of, you know, growth in a character and yeah. that's what you want in your stories and makes them powerful is that, by the end of the story, she's like, you're right. I didn't need to do this, and I could have done this with my friends because that's the difference between her and Recluse. Right. Can I ask a clarifying question that I still don't get with yeah. the story? How and when did – I don't get when Weeping Lion got the girls. Was that just supposed to be a plot twist? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I, I thought Weeping Lion's whole kind of arc was kind of weak. I just all of a sudden he had the curls and I didn't get why. Well, they kind of set him up as the as the villain at the very beginning, and then it's like okay, and I was like, "Is this Grave of the Hunter?" And everyone's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "Okay, so it's Weeping Lion, and he he has the girls because it's it's very broken like storytelling." And so I was like, "I had a hard time catching up," and so Weeping Lion is like has the girls, and then apparently you know he. He just had them the whole time, and we don't know why. And then, oh, wait, wait, wait. He stole them from Recluse, and Recluse yeah. was looking for them always. Yes. And I think that – Well, no, it's kind of – that's why it doesn't make sense because he does so, – so he has Black Widow go to find them, right? Dark room. Yeah, yeah. But then she gets him the information – so I'm guessing that's when he maybe acquired the girls. Yeah. I just felt it came out of nowhere and I was very confused. And I'm confused now. So, okay. But well. he had them and he died and, <laughs> and Recluse rescued them. Yes. So. Yeah. I just thought that part, I, I didn't know if that was just me being confused by that. Yeah. No. no yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm like saying no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I am. No. Yeah. Uh, I agree with being confused about that. So cool. that's about okay. as much as I have just to say. wanted to just wanted to make sure. Did you have a favorite character? I feel like it would be cliche to say Black Widow. It's not. She's so cool. Yeah, she, that's a of great course, answer. She, I feel like she shows the most depth within the book, but of course she's the main character, so that's not surprising. But. I also thought that character, I don't know who he is, but the guy who is from S.H.I.E.L.D. and she, they're supposed to swap the files mm -hmm. and she saves him, but then he ends up actually killing Getting himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, no, you're right. He killed himself. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Why? Yeah. What's his, do you know who he is? No. No. Okay. He's just some guy. And he's like. I like how, you know, it goes to show Somni's art um, that he was able to, do, or like she was able, to, you were able to see her deduce that he was S.H.I.E.L.D. Correct. Which is like, wow, great, not, because it didn't say it explicitly until the very end. Right. And so um, that was really great. But yeah, no, I didn't know too much about that guy. Yeah. And also I thought it was interesting, right? Because she's trying to save him and then you know, unfortunately it doesn't go as planned, but again, you just see that she's trying to be loyal to shield, but there's just, she has, she's split in so many different ways. Yeah. No. And I think that the story factors that like motivated her to kind of go against shield were actually really well done. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I thought her, I thought that moment was cool. But then, so I, again, a clarifying question, cause I was a bit confused in that moment. So did they not expect that a shield person was going to meet up with her? Because technically she was supposed to swap info with someone who was from the weeping lion team. Oh my gosh. I don't know the answers to these questions. Sorry, I'm a bit specific. No, you're fine. You're great. You're very, like, thorough. And I'm like, yeah, I liked it once you posted that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just, I, because, because she's meeting there to swap with someone. That's why they go after, because that's not who's supposed to be getting the info. And at the end of the day, it didn't really matter anyway, because he could read her mind. But. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. (laughs) Like, damn. I'm just really aware of. Yeah, I guess honestly it doesn't matter. You're great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just kind of like, wow, look at him. He has, oh, he pulled the grenade <laughs> trigger. Whoa. <laughs> I'm like, homie blew himself up. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Uh, oh my God, I asked you lots of questions. Okay, I guess I guess we are into the last couple questions for you. So um, what would you rate this story out of 10? Ooh, okay. Out of 10, I would rate it an eight really yeah but also i would i would say that i never give out tens so and nine would be super super high and i feel like it's an eight that's a good that's a good number everyone a lot of people has say seven really and i'm like what the heck so would you agree with me that it's an eight um i think my i think that'd actually be an appropriate rating for me too uh eight yeah, because I wanted to say, like, perfect 10, but after rereading, upon second reading, and maybe that's a flaw in the second reading, um, some stuff, I didn't I didn't like the Weeping Lion, like, arc. I thought it was kind of pointless at the end, too, where we, I'm like, what happened to his brother? Yeah, I thought, oh, well, no, she killed him. Recluse killed him. But I'm like, man, I wanted to see, her, like, you know, Widow go toe-to-toe with the big meathead guy, you know, because yeah. that's very, like, visceral, mm-hmm. and I didn't, we didn't get to see that, so... Uh, yeah, eight, eight is good. I always, I always get hung up because some people are like seven and I'm like, I think of like the high school grading scale. <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, that's a C. You think this is a C? <laughs> and you're like a B. I'm like, how dare Not you? Not a B. No, a B is good. But like when it comes to this series and like, really I'm, I'm, it's few and far between that we get real cool, badass female characters in comics yeah. that aren't drawn for getting like over sexualized. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, for some characters, they use their like sexuality to you know as a weapon itself, which is like okay, cool, and I'll give you that. But it doesn't need to be all the time. And I think this depiction of Black Widow, where it's like, wow, she's wearing you know a three quarter sleeve button to the very top, I'm right? Like, and she's a ninja. I'm like, that's just cool. And I thought. All of her beats in the story were awesome. And so I just think there was a respect that this character was treated with that I'm like, I hold it in an extra high regard. So eight overall, honestly, I'd stand by that. I feel like coming from it or coming towards the rating as someone who's never read a comic book and just looking at it as a story and something new, it had cool battles. It had growth. It had plot twists and romance and moments that were funny so i felt like overall it was an eight but there were parts that i just didn't understand so maybe (laughs) that's why it's apparently me too (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's the only reason that i took away some points that's fine that's fine okay and then would you recommend this story to someone else yeah like based on radiant yeah i think it's a very i think it's pretty user-friendly like i would i would say that maybe you would if you were to provide it to me again, I don't even know if you would really explain the Nick Fury and all that stuff because. Yeah, I just think, you know, what's crazy is while at the time it's like super modern and whoa, he's come spinning out the original sin. It's a tie in, whatever. I'm like, I really just think that at this point it just dates the book. Really? Why? Well, because frankly, at. You know, anywhere in the next two to five years, Nick Fury will be back to being the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And oh, okay. so I'm like, yeah, that arc really, and like, I love Jason Aaron. I thought the event was fine, but I just don't think that needed to happen. Okay. I understand. Yeah. Um, I would definitely recommend it though, especially because 
I did like that they respected her and I think it is a good point that you mentioned she doesn't have to have a lot of dialogue but what she does say is chosen and meaningful and to the point so I think her character is super cool and I would want other people to meet her character yeah and I'm like do you like spy stories so you someone who likes like James Bond and John Wick and the rest yeah I like those stories I'm like I think I just thought that this took all of those arcs you know all the cool spy tropes and it just delivered them in a really great bundle and i was like that's so cool and especially with a female uh protagonist yeah that's a good point it is a very spy-esque story especially when she's in the white house and she's dressed as a tour guide oh, I, I was like that. what i thought that issue was awesome <laughs> yeah and you see it it actually, with I thought some of their Marvel relationships do. I'm like, well, I don't necessarily agree with Tony. Mm. Um, Winter Soldier is someone who's kind of like retroactively become a character that is like, so he was a sleeper agent for however many years, you know, over time. So they'd wake him up to do a mission. And uh, he was in Soviet commun- communist Russia. Right. And so it makes sense for her to cross paths with him because they're, they're both Russian. Oh, and so that's why I they had a romance. Put two and two together. Duh, yeah. that makes sense. And so it makes a little bit more story sense. So I'm like her having that relationship with him, and then he, him like being protector, but like silent protector, like you don't see him. I liked that arc, and then I liked how she's like, "Okay, smell you later, loser." Yeah, she's like, "I don't have time for romance, boy." <laughs> Bye. Yeah. yeah, I liked that. So I thought that was well done too. So um, that's good. And then Lauren, would you pick up another comic? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would. Okay, I have one in mind now too. So. Oh, oh, so I you already have one. I was thinking about it as I was reading this, and I was like, "Dang, I should have given her a DC book because this podcast has thus far been very Marvel heavy." Mm. And that's not expected of you. I feel like. Yeah, for the audience, I'll just say it. I'm a I'm a DC boy. I've so. known you've been a DC boy forever. I'm like, you know, obviously I like love all publishers, and right now I think I'm reading more Marvel than DC, but I'm just. I'm a DC guy, but I would love actually to get you a very similar book. Um, it's called Selena's Big Score. It is a Catwoman story by the late, great, magnificent Darwin Cook. Mm, okay. And is it similar because similar character types, similar story? What What do you think is similar about them? Well, like they're both kind of heist books. Mm, um, okay. I, lo- I love a strong female lead, and Darwin Cook's Catwoman, number two, like, our, I think Chris Somney is very reminiscent of the Darwin Cook style, because Darwin Cook passed away, and he had this amazing, brilliant, beautiful, like, I want to say, like, mid-century modern 60s style, oh. but the way he portrayed movement in comics, I think, is unparalleled in tone, and he just kind of really boiled down characters to their, like, perfect representations, and so his art is magnificent and he does one of the best Catwoman stories. Like I've read that thing twice already. It it is my penultimate Catwoman story. And oh, so cool. It's it's awesome. So we will <laughs> there's a plug for a sneak uh, for the future episode with Lauren coming back for Selena's big score. Um alrighty well Lauren thank you so much. Okay so <laughs> moving forward make sure to follow Camry's comics on Instagram and that's it. I don't have a Twitter. So. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you, Lauren. We will see you again soon. Thanks for having me. We love you, mean it. Bye.